All right, well, good evening. Glad you are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Underground. It's going to be great night. Mix it up a little bit. That's a good thing. Um, so some good news. You probably already know this, but good news. Sarah and I found out we're having a little boy. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah. So balance in the world has been restored. There will only be two kids. There will be one boy, one girl, and that will be it. End of story, finito, period. So we're good. This is a really an exciting um, uh, moment. But it's kind of cool because I get to share that with you. And then I want to ask you to think for a moment. Um, maybe, maybe you didn't have a kid or you're not going to have a boy. That's great. Um, but let me ask you, what is good right now in your life? What is something? I know some of you are like, school ended today. Done. It's over. No more kids. It's going to be great. All the teachers in the house, right? You still got one more week, but that's all right. Um, now, what is it, though, for you? What it, maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's medium. But is there something, something you could get excited about, something that you need to step back for a moment and say, okay, all right, Lord, that was, that was good. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a raise. Maybe it was a, a new girlfriend. Uh, maybe, it was a, uh, maybe it was just an opportunity that you didn't see coming to serve. Or, or maybe it was a, an opportunity to finish school or your one day or one semester or one year closer to the end. Or maybe you're looking at some signs that are looking good at work that maybe that opportunity to promote up is coming. Or, or maybe it's just something small like, you know, your favorite artist put out some new music. I don't know. Whatever it is, can you all just find one because if you can do that, then I think where we'll go tonight will, will be just a little bit easier to comprehend. Because what we're going to watch tonight is the moment that takes place after God has taken care of all of the Egyptians and wiped them clean. We are going to watch how the people of Israel respond in that moment. And it is a moment of joy. Okay, now let's backtrack for just a second. These people have been through a whirlwind of emotions, and it has lasted for multiple generations. They have been in slavery. At times, it was very, very hard. At times, it wasn't as bad. But either way, they've been oppressed. They've been in slavery. They have been working for no pay, if you will. I mean, they have been in a bad situation, but things have begun to take place. And then a man named Moses showed up, and God said, hey, I'm going to use you to help free my people if you'll just trust me. And Moses trusted him with a little bit of hesitation. We've been there. But they eventually walked through this, and he and his brother Aaron eventually lead the people through 10 different plagues. They go through all of this whirlwind. Pharaoh finally lets them go. They begin this journey, which is where we picked up in last week. And then God decides to take them on the long route, not the short route, but that's okay. And so they're navigating through the wilderness. And then all of a sudden they look back and they see that Pharaoh has changed his mind, and now the Egyptian army are chasing after them, and so they get worked up again. They begin to grumble. They begin to get scared. They begin to get upset. They look to God. What are you going to do? And then God says, okay, I've got a plan, and then they look ahead. The Egyptians are behind them, and then they look ahead, and what do they see? They see the Red Sea, a sea that really was not passable. There was no way. So they had to either go back to their enemies and fall back into oppression or maybe just be killed or figure out a way, and God says, "Put Moses, put your staff over that water and watch. And God parts that Red Sea, and they walk through. And then the Egyptians start to follow behind them. And right as they get maybe in the middle, we don't really know, but they get somewhere into that Red Sea. And God says, put that staff back out. And he takes those two walls of water, and he brings them down on the people um, of Egypt that were pursuing them. And not a single one of them made it out. 
And so this is the moment where they've gotten to the other side and they look back and they watch as that water, this good picture, as that water begins to tumble back on them and completely annihilates the enemy that has been after them for years. Now, how do you think you would respond? Thanks, God. That was cool. Let's keep on going. Let's find some food. Where's the bread, right? No, you would rejoice. You would be excited. It's like me finding out we're having a little boy. I already knew it was going to happen because me and the Lord are tight like that. But still, to just know that he's delivered. And what do you do, man? You're excited. You rejoice. You want to, some people want to dance. Others of you don't dance. Some of you don't need to dance. But some people just, that's how we respond. Others start to sing. Some would just want to pray. There's so many ways we can respond. And what we see from the people of Israel is that they begin to sing. They begin to sing. Now let's get a little poll. How many of you love to sing in here? How many of you, it's about medium. You, you don't hate it, you don't love it, you just, you, you do it. And how many of you honestly, and, and if you could just be transparent in church, singing is just really not, it's just not your thing. Okay, it's good. But every one of you are shower singers, right? I mean everyone, you don't have to admit it, but you know. Here's the moment. Look at chapter 15, verse 1, and look at what it says. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. Sang this song to the Lord. As they look back on that water and all of the people of Egypt that have been pursuing them and the army, Underwater, they lift their voices to God. And this isn't just a few people, not even in a room like this size. This was thousands. This was millions. We all know exactly. Somewhere in the 1.2 to maybe 3, maybe higher. Millions of people break out in song. Now how about that? How many of you have been to a massive worship concert with thousands of people crammed in a stadium, right? It's one of, the, one of the coolest experiences to see all of those people lifting up the name of Jesus. Can you imagine millions of people gathered together, not even in a stadium, just gathered together in the wilderness saying, let's sing to God for what he's done. What a marvelous sight. I don't know if we'll ever get to experience anything like that. What an unbelievable moment. And they lift up their voices to God and they begin to sing. And it's very interesting. In fact, in the scriptures, there are over 400 verses about singing. There are 50, you ready for this? 50 commands from God through the scriptures to sing or to lift a joyful noise. Did you know that? So for those of you that don't like singing, newsflash, you're going to have to get over it, all right? Now, you don't have to do it every minute of the day. That's okay. But God has given us 50 different commands throughout the scriptures that we are to sing and sing praises to him. Now, this is fascinating. And what a model that the people of Israel lay in front of us. You know, think about it being a command. Isn't that interesting? Some of the commands we're used to, we'll get to the Ten Commandments here shortly. God says, don't steal, don't murder, but sing. Kind of an interesting, but don't forget, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't dishonor your parents, don't dishonor your parents, and sing. That's so interesting. So interesting. And it makes me think about what, what is it? Why, why would God 
want us to sing. And our generation doesn't have a problem with this. Typically, our generation sings more than generations that's gone before us. Uh, even just look at music style, right? Even within our church, we have two different services, two completely different styles of music. Our generation love to sing. We love to lift our hands. We love to sing loud. We love guitars. And we love basses. And we love pianos. And we love six of them, not one. We like loud. We want it. Some of us like loud just because we can't sing very well, and it helps cover that up. But regardless, we love this, right? This is our generation. We are emotion-driven. We love to sing. We love these moments. We want to experience the presence of God in many ways, but particularly in the realm of singing. This is great. Now, some of us aren't all that way, uh, and I'm actually, I tend to be not an anti-singer, but when I'm in church, I just have such a strong love for the Word of God that I, I, I kind of catch myself sometimes like, oh, the song is good, song is good. Can we get to the teaching? Can we get to the teaching? Not if I'm teaching, but just anyone. I just, I can't wait because I love the Word of God. I love to hear people teach. I love to soak it in. And so for me, my natural bent is to study the Word. And so oftentimes I have to pull myself back. I have to check myself for a minute and remind myself that God has ordained this as part of our worship experience. And it's kind of fascinating to think about this, that you and I, all of us, have actually been wired in different ways to worship God. There's a fantastic book out by Gary Thomas called Sacred Pathways. Anybody heard of this book before? Okay, not many of you. You need to check this out. So Sacred Pathways helps you to identify the different ways that you find yourself naturally encountering God. So I, I, I printed this out so you could see a couple examples to understand what I'm talking about. There are some of you that are what we would call naturalists. So you love to be outside. Is that anybody? You feel closest to God. You experience God's presence when you are outside. You may not be camping. You may just be walking down on a trail or sitting out by the ocean, right? Maybe it is for you camping. For me, I camp in hotels, but that's okay. But maybe that's for you. And so when you are outside, that's where you experience the presence of God. Your worship just seems strongest when you're out there. For some of us, though, uh, we are traditionalists. So we like the, the liturgy. We like the systematic. We love to come in. We love to recite. We may love to sing, but we tend to love the system. The description of this, so I don't butcher it, is you like religious rituals and symbols. These people worship through traditions and sacraments of the church. They believe structure, repetition, and rigidity like weekly liturgy leads to deeper understanding of God and of faith. Some of us, though, we're sensates, and this is really the target that will get hit tonight. We love God through our senses. These people worship through sensual experience, sights like art, sounds like music, smells, and more. You love your, to experience God through your senses. It's not enough to just hear, but you want to see it. You want to feel it. You want to experience it. You want to sing about it. And so when the music comes on at church, you're the first one up, and you love this moment because you experience God in a way that others don't. You've been wired that way. This is so fascinating. And so when we think about these things, some of you like me are intellects. And so, man, you just, you want to study the word of God. You want to learn. You want to have knowledge. You want to gain. And if you sing, that's great. But it's just a counterpart to get where you're going because it's the word of God that brings it to life. We're all wired differently. But here's what I want to point out. It's so important for all of us to understand that if God gives us a command, it's something that we're to follow. And so if God commands that we are to sing... And then we get this beautiful picture that the people of Israel step out of this moment of darkness and into the freedom. And the first response that they have is to lift their voice to God. And that's a model that's so important for us to go. And so it leads me then to this question. So why do we do this? Why do we sing? Why do we experience this in church? Okay, so the people of Israel did this, but what about us? Let me share with you three things. If you're going to write these down, you can. If you want to just think about them, that's great. 
Number one, God's work and his works in our life deserve singing and speaking of. What God is doing in the world around you and in your life, it deserves to not only be spoken of, but to be sung about. And when we sing, when we experience, and you got to be careful with worship, all right? And, and a lot of you that maybe are transitioning from youth into adult, we have this thing where we refer to music as worship and then the teaching as the teaching. And you got to be careful with that because the truth is worship to God is a multitude of things including music but not isolated to it. And so when we think of worship as only music, we are isolating a worship to God. Worship to God comes through scripture, it comes through prayer, it comes through service, it comes through singing, it comes through a multitude of things. And so when we gather together and we lift up songs to God, what we are doing is singing and identifying what he's either done in our life, what he's doing in the world around us, what he's done through others, what he's done through salvation. Like there are reasons why we are singing. It is not just so that we can check the box and say we sang a few songs at church. It's such a deeper meeting. And so for those of you that are like me and you like the music, but you kind of rather just sit down and, and hear the word, I want to encourage you that maybe even starting tonight, or maybe you know this, but you just need to be encouraged, that we might change our perspective on how we see this part of what we do both in the church and outside. And it's the model of Israel that's bringing this up for us. The second thing, the second reason why we do this is Singing aids in the lifting up of the word of God and in prayer. It, it's part of our communication to God. One of the big challenges you have to be careful of when you gather in a room and sing is that you don't not pay attention to the words that you're singing. So often we like a rhythm or we like a beat or we like how a few words come together and flow together and so we kind of just follow along. But you really got to think about what is it on that screen that I'm singing and why am I singing it? And sometimes when you come across a new song, instead of just blindly singing, you need to just stop and just kind of read for a minute and think about it. I agree with that. That's good. Yes, Lord, you do deserve this praise. And then when that chorus comes back around, man, you jump in, right? But you're not blindly following, but we're really thinking about what is it that we're singing and why am I singing this and who am I singing this to? Because it is almighty God who is worth it. And I can tell you and encourage you that we work real hard here to be careful with the music that we sing, the songs that we pick. We want you to be able to trust that these words you're coming across are biblically sound and accurate and encouraging and you can trust. But even in that, I want to build in you a safety net always. That you're always looking. Even when people are speaking, on a separate note, but let me say this while we're here. When people are teaching to you and speaking to you, listen, there's a lot of good dynamic people that can grab your attention and really make it intense, but it doesn't mean what they're saying is true or relevant or valuable in your life. We always have to come in with this perspective of, God, as this washes over me, is this where you wanted to sit? Do you want me to hear this? Do you want me to respond to that? And I say that even about me. Anytime that I'm speaking and anyone else that may take a stage or a platform or a group in front of you, we always want to come carefully and watch and make sure that we hear and we see and we believe and then we re respond. So it's the same in the music it's in the world. The last thing just on this idea of why we sing and why particularly we sing in the church is singing helps us to remember words and remember truth. Now this is good and bad. How many of you have had an experience where you heard a song that was long, long, long time ago, you didn't think you remembered it, and then as soon as the song came on, you started singing it, you remembered every word? Anybody? Right? Because there's something about music that helps us to 
remember. And so there's power in that. It's dangerous, too, when we're messing with the wrong stuff. But there's power in that when we are singing worship songs and we are singing to God. When worshiping through music, we sing these words and we begin to memorize them and they begin to wash over us. They begin to be written on the tablet of our heart, kind of like how we remember scripture. And then they come up in our life as we go through tough times. We think there's so many great worship songs out there, I don't want to alienate any one of them, but I think of Oceans, a popular one maybe you've heard of before, uh, maybe not. We've sung it here about 87,000 times. Um, but it talks about walking out into the unknown and trusting God as he takes you out. Like you, you just can't forget that. And then the beat comes in, and it's all, I say beat, I know worship don't really have beat, they have what, rhythm? Is that, guys, is that the right word? I don't want to mess that up. As the rhythm takes you in, and the music, and then you just envision the water as you're walking out there, and then you begin to think, and you're like, what a powerful song, what great words, and then that moment happens when you go, wow, this is for me. Because no, I'm not walking on the ocean, that's the symbol but in that same symbol, I can experience this right now because, God, I'm needing to trust you as I walk through this terrible breakup, as I walk through this unknown situation in my life, as I walk through this loss of someone that I love. And we begin to see it unfold. And you know what happens? Those songs come to life. Those songs come back to your memory. And they encourage you. Do you see the power of what happens when we gather together during this time to sing? Music also helps us slow down. If you think about the song Amazing Grace, we've, we've talked about this before. You can say the phrase Amazing Grace, but then when you sing it and then you repeat it, there's something that happens as it washes. It's weird to just say Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. But when you sing it, it opens up this door for repetition and for process and for it to sink in our hearts to become a reality and a truth that we believe that then we might walk out and live it out. It's interesting, too. Studies have actually shown that uh, corporate singing has some actual physical value. I don't know if you knew this. Corporate singing strengthens the immune system. Do you know that? Anybody feeling sick? Let's stand and sing. All right? You feel the cold coming? Not today, Satan. Bring it on. And you just sing your ocean song over and over and over again. Group singing is a natural antidepressant. Depressant. Isn't that interesting? These are from studies in recent years. Singing releases endorphins and oxytocin into the system, which lowers stress levels and diminishes cortisol. So listen, 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 listen. If you're going through something and you are so stressed out and you're, I just, I can't go to church. There's just too much going on. I don't, man, this is where you need to be because the more you sing, the more you get to release some of that stress. What a beautiful thing that God would command us to do something that not only brings him glory as we sing to him, but also brings us a sense of peace and brings us a calmness. How, how powerful. It also improves mental clarity and lessens feelings of depression and anxiety. And then in 2005, a study says that singing can produce satisfying therapeutic sensations even, watch this, even when the sound produced by the vocal instruments are of mediocre quality. Can we just get an amen? I mean, come on. That means that at any moment from now on, we're going to put Stocky's number on the screen. You just call him. He's going to sing you a mediocre at best rhythm, but that is going to do something. How cool is that? And God knew, by the way, that's why I think in the scriptures it says just make a joyful noise. Doesn't say make a good one. Doesn't say make an on-key one. It just says make a joyful noise because to the Lord 
It's a glorifying sound. Man, isn't that awesome? We don't even need the worship leaders anymore. I'm just kidding. We don't need them though. We just need to sing because that's what it's all about. How marvelous is this? Now, all of that was a bit of an introduction. We're not going to be here all night, but um, let me read to you quickly. Here's their song. Here's what the Israelites sang. Now that we've set it up a little bit, I hope it will penetrate our hearts a little bit better. Chapter 15, verse 2. I'll start with one just to set it up. They crossed the Red Sea. People of Egypt have been covered. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Remember, they have been oppressed by these people, and now those people have been wiped off. That was the most, empow- that was the most powerful empire at that time that had ever walked the earth. And it had been taken out just like that by the power of God. They have been released of 400 years of slavery. And they are singing. And you know what you don't hear? You don't hear anything about Moses or Aaron. It's all about God. All about God. And on that note, let's pause. This is a rabbit trail. We love our worship leaders. We love all worship leaders that lead for us. But remember that too. It's not about them. Man, they're just uh, being mediators for us to take us into the presence of God. What a marvelous thing. What a difficult thing. Because so many people come with uh, bad expectations and all of these things. But for the worship leaders, it is that they would stand and lead to them. Never when we get to heaven are they going to say, man, all of those great worship leaders, they have a special place over here. And then everybody else, no, 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 no. We are all in this thing together. We are all worshiping the Lord together. They just be happy the one leading us so that we don't sing off key and sound terrible to each other. It's the beauty of it. It's never, though, about Moses. It's never about Aaron. It's all about God. Then verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. The most powerful nation just destroyed. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue you. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill in them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. The power of God, the strength of God, it's all they could sing over and over. Every aspect, they just keep repeating, God, you did this. God, you were powerful here. Your strength was here. You are almighty. This is unbelievable. They are singing. Now, the truth is, if we were, and I'd love for our worship leaders to get on this starting tonight, um, to put this actually in a song and let us know how it goes. I think we got some different styles of music kind of happening right here. You may be thinking about that as I'm reading it, right? This is more like a skillet song maybe. Okay, that's good. Um, but the reality is it doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter the rhythm because they are so overjoyed. Listen, you're, here's the thing. Here we go. When you come into a room, You come to church, and you're feeling all right, 
things are going well, life isn't upside down, but you didn't win the lottery, you shouldn't be playing that anyway, but you are in this high place, and you just come to church, and people were kind of nice, but they didn't compliment you on your new shirt, but that's okay, and so you get there, and you get in your chair, and then the music starts playing, and I kind of like this song, it's not my favorite song, I was kind of hoping they'd sing this one, this one, and this one, but that's okay, and so you kind of just do a little half race here, a little football field goal thing, and you're just kind of singing along, and they're like, okay, yep, yep, yep. It's totally different than when you've just gone through one of your deepest, darkest situations in life and God has not only met you in the pit but then walked you through the pit, brought you to the other side and you think back on all that he did and you step in this place and you're like, get out the way. I don't even care who looks at me because that God is worthy of everything that I'm going to sing and everything that he is. I want to sing about. I want to rejoice. I want him to hear me. I want him to hear me. God, I don't care how I sound. Just receive this praise because you are worthy what you have done. Oh, Lord, please. You don't care. But so often, we don't think about. How many of you had to work a little bit when I asked you to think about something really good that's going on in your life? I don't feel beat up about that, but let me encourage you. God's given us so many things. Not every one of them are going to be like you just had the greatest moment in your life. But when we stop being grateful, we start acting different. And I'll tell you, when we come to into our moments of worship, whether it's singing or studying or praying, and we are no longer grateful for what's given but asking God for something else, our worship will look radically different. But oh, how great is it when we can stop for just a moment and say, Lord, you know I'm going through some stuff and I'd love to be on the other side, but I'm not. But I am so grateful for all these other things you've given me. So I'm going to give you everything. Why? Because he's already given you everything on the cross. Oh, it changes. All right, sorry. Rabbit trail. Back to this. Let's go to verse 11 real quick. Let me just kind of read through this so we can hear their song. Just remember what they're feeling and experiencing. Generations from kids all the way to grandparents singing this song. You have led in your, verse 13, you have led in your steadfastness. Love the people whom you have redeemed. He led them and he redeemed them. Just like he said, even though they doubted, he stuck with them. You have guided them by your strength to the holy abode. Peoples have heard, they trembled, pangs have seized, and the heavens of the Philistine. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. God has cleared the path. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone. Remember all the plagues? It took ten to finally get everyone's attention. But can you imagine watching those plagues unfold in front of you and then still doubting the power of God? Doesn't quite make sense, right? I'm not sure how it's possible, but some still did. Yet here we are in this moment that God has moved through all of that and brought them to this place. And then verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place of the Lord which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever, and then watch this, this is so cool. Verse 19, for when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, Aaron's sister, grabbed a tambourine, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. How cool is that? All right, in the back, we got a box of tambour. I'm just kidding. Some of you are excited. Some of you are like, oh, no, singing. 
And Miriam, Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his riders he has thrown into the sea. Now that last part, you could turn into a song right now. I'm just going to say. I'm just saying, you know, maybe you can try it tonight. Okay. Um, what a scene. Man, they get out. Listen, they don't get out and say, oh, my goodness, let's have a feast. Oh, my goodness, let's, let's move to the next place. Oh, let's think about this and this. No, they stop and they sing. A million plus people singing to God. And then they're so excited that singing isn't enough. They break out with the tambourines and they start dancing around. What a moment. What a moment. Can I ask you a question? Have you had joy like that recently? Have you had joy like that? And I'm not saying you have to dance around and get a tambourine. If you want to, I think they're on sale down at Guitar Center. But you, you don't have to have a tambourine. You don't have to dance around. But can I ask you, have you had joy so strong recently that it's caused you to want to move? Because I'll tell you this, no matter how, and listen, I can tell you right now, this has been one of the most stressful weeks I've had in a long time, but I can still tell you that no matter how stressful, no matter how upside down your world may be, the fact that Jesus Christ went on that cross and saved you and I from eternal hell, that is worth singing about. That is worth having joy. You know why? Because for every one of us who are in Christ, no matter how dark this place gets, what waits for us on the other side is better than anything you could ever experience. And I want to tell you, this will be fun this weekend um, in our services. Uh, this weekend, Dr. Young is planning some fun stuff. I don't think I'm allowed to actually tell you, but th- he's, he's going to show you how heaven is fun. And uh, some of the stuff that I've heard, is, it's going to be cool. And it, it, it's going to be a symbol to give you a picture of the joy. And you know what happens in heaven? There's no more pain. No more sorrow, no more death, no more cancer, no more disease, no more worrying about what you look like compared to everybody else. There is pure joy. Folks, no matter how hard this life gets, that's what we're yearning for. That's what's ahead of us. And that's why we can say that every time we come into this place to stop and to sing, no matter how dark, we should still be able to find joy because what Christ did for us on the cross is greater than all of that. So here's what I want to do tonight. I had a, actually a whole bunch of, there's a lot more of our text to, uh, <clears throat> to cover, but tonight I just thought, man, let's just stop for a moment. Let's just sit on one point, one topic, one thought, and then let's live it out. And so what we're going to do tonight is just we just moved our music to the end so that we might maybe have a new perspective as we come together to sing. But here's what I want to ask you. Um, before we step into these few moments to sing, we're not going to go any longer than we normally do, don't worry. But before we step into these moments, can I ask you to just take a second with me and let's ask God to help us clear our hearts and our minds. Our minds from whatever distractions may be happening around us in the world we're in and our hearts that we might confess anything that might be weighing in on us. Listen, one of of the greatest things that hinders our interaction with God is when we allow sin to weigh in on us. And and so we as believers in Christ, we have been forgiven for sin, but we all know that we are still imperfect and sin is still a real thing. And before we come before the throne, 
Sometimes we have to just stop and confess to God whatever it is that's weighing in on us. And I don't know what that is for you. It could be a multitude of things. But can I just ask you in this moment that you might take a second to lay that down so that then we can truly open our hearts and give God everything that we have. And the truth is we can sing whether you hate singing or you love singing because God has given everything for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of that, no matter what we do, it is worth it. And he is worthy of our praise. I know there's some of you, I'm not, I'm not silly to know that there's some of you that your world's kind of upside down right now. And the idea of trying to find joy in the midst of this moment may be difficult, but what an incredible opportunity for you to meet with God and say, if this is true, if it's true that I could experience joy, even in my darkest moments, Lord, will you help me experience that tonight? And I believe that he might. I do believe he will.